Welkman to X-Rated Movies. This is a podcast by two guys who used to date and now they don't. Instead, we do terrible German accents. <laughs> ich bin lieben Ryan Whedon. Is that right? <laughs> Ooh, boy. I got Gesundheit. <laughs> and that's about the, the end of my German there. <sighs> I should mention, today's movie is not even a German It's film. not. It's not. So... <laughs> I don't know why we're doing German. I don't know. When you think of Nazis, you just think of Germans. It comes with it. Yeah, it yeah. comes with the territory. Like, I'm sure there were there were Danish Nazis, but I guess some of the movie had to be in German. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I mean, Danish. I love Danishes, though. They're good pastries. <laughs> and I love Danish modern. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they've got great style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't ask me where it is on the map, though, because I get the Dutch and Amsterdam mixed up the dutch are, the, the dutch are, are from, from amsterdam dutch are, dutch are from the netherlands and du- holland is different than the netherlands we'll get to it we'll get to it the, the dutch are from denmark oh shit denmark's its own thing too <laughs> but the is the netherlands just a region i think the netherlands is a country it is a country yes you're yeah. right the netherlands Holland and Denmark are all different countries. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at a map before we get to the geography was never my strong suit. So, okay, before we get to the movie, this episode coming to you deep inside the quarantine. Right. So, I have a uh, little question for you. Ooh. I, of course, live alone. I have to quarantine by myself. Mm-hmm. You, of course, have your partner. Right. Your longtime Tim. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about, like, if I was to be quarantined, like, what roommates would I want for a quarantine? Okay, okay. But, you know, plain fantasy isn't fun. You need a little conflict in there to make it. Right, 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 right. So I'm going to present you three different houses. Okay. Each one has three different roommates. Okay, got it. And I want you to pick one of the houses. House number one. Okay. First roommate is John Waters. Oh, okay. That sounds fun. Yeah. That could be good. Yeah. Uh, your second roommate is disgraced former Congressman Aaron Schock. Okay. Uh, and the third roommate is uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. Oh, God. You really, that really went like <laughs> step, step, step. <laughs> second house, first roommate, uh-huh. Kate Blanchett. Oh, love her. Well, little KDB action there. Can, oh, that'd be great. We'd have lots to talk about. Second roommate would be uh, Michael Kors. Okay. Yeah, you might not agree with my sweatpants everyday decisions, but that's okay. And the third one would be James Woods. Oh, man. <laughs> he's gross and conservative. Yeah, he's real conservative. Like, when he found out about the movie Call Me By Your Name, he's like, this movie sounds disgusting. An older man preying on a teenage boy. I've never heard of anything so disgusting. And Army Hammer tweeted back. He's like, you habitually date teenagers. Yeah. Sicko. All right, and then the third house. Okay, okay. First roommate is the person you lost your virginity to. Okay. Second. Jordan one... is his name. <laughs> okay. Second one is the boyfriend in which you had the worst breakup with. Oh, no. So okay. I'm going to guess story? Probably, yeah. And then the third roommate is your current boyfriend, Tim. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that sounds very uncomfortable for me. <laughs> so... Which of these houses would you like to be quarantined in? Man. 
Well, definitely not number three. Let me just get that out of the way. That's too much drama from Ryan. I would not be able to relax. (laughs) It would be hell. Okay. Um, Okay. I think I could deal with James Woods more than I could deal with Milo, even though it's not all gays. Yeah, I mean, the second house, you're probably not getting laid in then. That's okay. No one in that group seems like a bad roommate. You feel like James Woods would be a respectful roommate? Um, Twirling his gun around, listening to rap music? <laughs> Maybe Michael Kors and I could teach him a few things about gayness. Not in a dirty way. I was going to say, are you going to bang James Woods? <laughs> no! Yuck. 78-year-old James Woods? Ah, no! <laughs> Can I flip the script here? Do I have to choose from the same three houses? Yes. Well, I don't have a current boyfriend. Oh, so let's uh, put in your dog, Lucy. Well, then that one. <laughs> <laughs> so predictable. Uh, um, we'll throw in Mitch McConnell on that one. All right, so it's the person I lost my virginity to. Uh, the worst breakup, that was probably Andrew. Just because we were 19 and like neither of us knew how to like gracefully leave a relationship and then i'd have lucy with me and then mitch mcconnell yeah probably that one just because boy that first house it'd be milo just strikes me as really insufferable that that he's only happy if he if he's causing distress and and uh, disorder. He's like that character on like a Big Brother or a Real World that they're like cast him because he's gonna stir some shit. Yeah, yeah. Who you don't want anything to do with IRL. So you're going with House Two then? Yeah, House Two. KDB, Michael Kors, and James Woods. James Woods. Yeah. Who cooks in that house? Well, we all do. We have a beautiful kitchen. <laughs> well, no. Imagine this quarantine just in your apartment. Oh, the four of you having to share in a, a one-bedroom one apartment. Well. We'd have to take turns. We'd have to come up with some sort of system. Okay. Something tells me Michael Kors can't scramble eggs. <laughs> like he'd be really messy about it? Well, he I, I've seen he's done like a tour of his home. I don't know if it was and like there's just egg parts everywhere. <laughs> no. Uh, but he has this big, beautiful kitchen that he says that he never uses. And yeah, he goes, you know what, what me and my husband's favorite thing to make for dinner is? Reservations. So, yeah, something tells me he can't cook. Oh. <laughs> Although I do like the idea of him having this immaculate New York high-rise apartment and his kitchen's just a mess with egg parts. <laughs> you know, I'm able to, to build a huge fashion industry and a name, and, you know, I try to stra- scramble egg, and you know what happens? It's a mess. It's a total mess. <laughs> We're here to talk about a movie, movie today. One of our favorite directors, Mr. Paul Verhoeven. Polly V. In what I found out today was at least for a while the highest grossing Dutch movie ever, mm. Black Book, or whatever its Danish name is, Zwartbook. Zwartbook, divisive director. But I think I I like his movies. Yeah, I'm. I'm I think I'm, I do. I like his movies. I'm pro Paul. Yeah, me too. They're it's, they're very unique. They're very like the and 
after the greasy strangler of last <laughs> week, I was like, I just need like a meaty movie. Like I just, I need to be in capable hands again. And boy, he's almost too capable here. This movie like twists and turns and like, I'd forgotten. I was like, I need to buckle up. <laughs> I was like, I can't just casually watch oh. this. I need to pay the fuck attention. My first note is house go boom. Because <laughs> there's a, the, the barn that our main character is living in gets blowed up real good in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, shit. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, it kind of comes out of nowhere. It's like like she's in Israel teaching and it's a flashback and she's in the barn and she's eating oatmeal and yes. saying grace and then she's listening to music out by the the river and then boom <laughs> then there's a bomber just boom and they really blowed up that that barn they, too. they blowed the shit out of that barn Oof. the best part was when the buildings fell down it's like okay we're here we go movie yeah it kind of starts out like it's gonna be like a drama of some sort and then a fucking bomb goes <laughs> off I sat up. I was excited. I'm like, okay. Yeah, bit of a bit of a spectacle yeah. right off the bat. This isn't, this isn't going to be your everyday uh, World War II movie. Yeah, so you kind of have to know about World War II if you're going to understand this movie. Sure. They don't do anything that explains that Jewish people are being persecuted. They don't do any explanation as to why there's Nazis in Denmark. They don't explain any of that. Like, if you didn't know what World War II is, this is not the movie for you. Mm-hmm. You got to have a pretty good working knowledge of it. And even then, this movie just doesn't hold your hand. You got to pay attention. You got to buckle up for this one. I'm assuming that's because it's like, uh, it's a Dutch movie and he's Dutch and he was making it, I assume, for Dutch audiences or European audiences. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. So, mostly. So it's like, you probably don't have to educate them too much on World War II over there. This might be the sexiest of uh, World War II movies that I've seen. Yeah. A lot of boobies. Lots of boobies. And some bush. That's and right. some peen. We did. I was just... One of my notes is like, wow, we haven't had a dick shot in a long time. Oh, on the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, probably not since the bad gay movies thing it's almost a year a ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, so it was a good change of pace is what you're saying? I mean... It could have been hotter dick, but I was going to say, you saw that dad bod peen, and you were like, yeah, here we go. Boy, oi, 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 oi. Well, no, that's a true greasy strangler. I had a billion peens. <laughs> oh, you're right. But I they forgot. were not real False. peens. Yeah, this yeah. is a real one. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of boobies, a little peen, some bush. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's kind of a sexy movie. Yeah. Sexual espionage. Like, the broad strokes of the film, for those who haven't seen it, our main character is a, a Jewish woman hiding out from Nazis in occupied Denmark. Is it Denmark? Did we decide that? Or was it Amsterdam? I'm pretty sure it's Denmark. Or Holland. I'm pretty sure it's Denmark. Okay. Okay. That, are f- Dutch people from Denmark? Yes. <laughs> well, where's The Hague? That's where it takes place. Yeah, The Hague is in Denmark, right? I think you're right. It's in the Netherlands. Oh, God. <laughs> the Hague. So, Netherlands. The Netherlands. Okay. Dutch on. people are from the Netherlands. Dutch people are from the Netherlands. Okay, so. Oh, Jesus. Oh, let's see. And then, so. Who are the people from Denmark? Danes are from Denmark. Danes are from Denmark. And Hollandaise are from Holland. <laughs> Those are all my eggs Benedict. Right. Don't let Michael Kors make, make that for you. He's terrible at it. Oh, my God. 
So, all right, Occupied Netherlands. Oof, okay, got it. Blah. And her and her family try and escape to liberated territory only to meet a bad fate on their trip. She then joins the Dutch resistance and goes undercover as a spy into the, the Danish branch of the SS. Right. And she seduces a head of the Gestapo there. Yes. Um, and various things ensue. Then the war ends, <laughs> but she got framed for something. And so the resistance has turned against her at this point. Yes. So she's got friends on neither side at this point. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. So those are the main plot points. Yeah, that's good enough. The movie starts out because you, you, you know how I am. I'm always trying to see if they're showing the, the themes of the movie in opening sequences. Sure, 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 sure. And, I mean, the opening sequences are kind of unremarkable. But the first thing we see is her friend from The Hague, because she's teaching in Israel now, her friend from the Hague sees her there, and she's like, "Hey, isn't it you? It's yeah. me from from our time in the Netherlands. <laughs> uh, we were both sleeping with the uh, Nazis to get through the war. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do what you got to do. Hey, yeah. I don't know if I'm uh, if I blame them too much. Trying times and all. Yeah. But her friend is there on this like Christian tour, right? Because you hear them like make some announcement. They're like, "Okay, hurry up, hurry up. Our next long stop will be Capernaum." Then, like, she kind of gets wistful and starts thinking about the past, and that's when we go to the barn, and she's studying her Catholicism, and she has to say grace at this family's house where she's staying, that they're hiding her. They're hiding her, yeah. And the father's like, you know, if, you know, you Jews had been more acquainted with Jesus, you wouldn't be in this mess. It's like, okay. And it's like, Okay. And because she said grace correctly, that meant that she got to have some cereal or <laughs> oatmeal, essentially. And she makes a cross out of syrup. Right. And then mixes it all up. And I was I was really trying to think. I was like, okay, how are these movies indicative of, of the larger movie? Or, or, or what are these saying things about her character? And I'm like, oh, the, the, I guess the tour guide going through... Israel is kind of saying, like, here's somebody that doesn't actually belong here. Okay. Israel's not really known as, like, the Catholic homeland, I don't feel. Sure. Uh, or the Christian homeland, I guess I should say. So I'm like, okay, you could kind of make an argument that this is somebody purporting to be someplace and they shouldn't actually be there. Yeah. But the barn stuff, I was like, well, this is her kind of learning how to be a spy, like how to pass as a Christian. Because she's, like, learning to speak the language, essentially, like, learn how to talk Christian. Mm -hmm. And she makes that cross, which pleases the father in some way. So this is her kind of learning how to assimilate. And I was like, okay, we're kind of getting the idea here that that she has spy-like tendencies. Well, and also that um, no matter where she is... There's going to be people who think she doesn't belong there because mm. she's Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There so, you go. That's yeah. that, that's more helpful than I think mine. <laughs> so, you know, flash forward a little bit. The barn goes boom. And I think this boyfriend that she has at the beginning here is the hottest one she had. Well, there's the guy at the on the boat that that's sees her. I'm talking about. He's yeah. pretty hot. But then she there's like a different guy that she's dating pretty early in the movie who's also kind of hot. Not the one who gets blowed up on the boat. That's the same guy. Is it? Yeah. I, I thought his hair looked much darker. Maybe you're right. Um, He just had a shirt on. <laughs> okay. 
but they get word that that the SS is going to be raiding this area and right. that they can't stay there right. and that they need to escape, bring as much money as you can because you're going to go to liberated lands. And don't forget your jewels and your expensive furs. Yeah. Keep, keep it all on your person. <laughs> yeah. So they go in to meet this lawyer who's sympathetic to people in the resistance. He himself is not Jewish. He doesn't need to hide out, but he is acting as like a liaison between different contact points for the Jewish underground yeah, to ostensibly help them to safe lands. Yes. And so he helps arrange this getaway. They get on a boat. Her family's there. She's very excited to see her brother and her mother and her father. And her brother had his appendix out. That comes back later. So yeah. just know that. And they're on the boat. I, I don't even know where they're going just to, to liberated Areas, yeah, it sounds like Brussels, someplace south, maybe Belgium. Yeah, Brussels is in Belgium. No, <laughs> geography is not my strong. Suit. I remember that because then, like, yeah, her her hot boyfriend asked the asked the boat guy. He's like, "Why are we traveling east?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "We're just zigzagging." Yeah, uh, lies, well, lies. Well, then they get commandeered by the SS, and they just mow down that whole boat full of Jewish people. Uh very violent but our lead lady escapes she dives into the water i think her name is rachel yes what and then when her spy name is marie maria i thought it was ellis elise elise we're good at this (laughs) this is our 153rd episode everybody anyway rachel is is her her real name though right right so rachel dives into the water and she sees them take the boat ashore and start grave robbing everyone. Yeah, it's real sad. It's invasive. Like, the camera angles that Paul Verhoeven used are very intimate. Like, it, yeah. it's he puts, like, the camera, like, below ladies' knees, mm-hmm. like, shooting up skirts and things like that. So it's, like, when the SS is, like, getting stuff out of their garter, like, it just, it mm. feels very invasive. And you never see their faces, though, so it just feels like they're very inhuman. Yeah. Or, like, they're not being seen as human. Well, then, like, blouses are being ripped open yeah. and stuff like that, and... They're taking all the money and their gold and the jewelry and things like that. I don't know. When I watched it this time, I was like, oh, this feels very violating. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know that, that Nazis being villainous, it's a novel concept in this day and age. But <laughs> yeah, they they were not nice to, to Jewish people, it They turns really out. weren't, you know? And this is what inspires her to join the Dutch underground resistance. Yeah, she gets away somehow. By being painted up as a corpse. Right. Oh, yeah, because that comes back, too. Yeah, so they put her in a coffin that's got, like, secret ventilation in it. And that allows her to, like, get safely to, like, the Dutch resistance. Yeah, or it's, like, some guy who's hiring Jewish people to work in his food thing. (laughs) But, like, they're going to be under pseudonyms so it's like a safe place for her to be working. yeah but then like somebody in the resistance dies or something and he comes to her and he's like do you want a chance to work for us and she's like yeah yeah so she and, dyes her hair blonde yeah curtains and drapes mm. and like when she was like bleaching her bush i was like god i feel like that would burn her her labia yeah, well she says <laughs> and too. then she like gets up, she's like Ooh! <laughs> But then that dude goes down on her. I, I'm like, oh boy, I feel like you'd get a mouthful of bleach. Yeah, bleached hair. You ever met anybody with blonde pubes? 
No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I just thought that was weird that like she's like, oh, well, they need to match. It's like every blonde person I've had sex with had dark pubes. So I don't know. Maybe it's different on ladies. Yeah. Ladies, or chime maybe in. It's, maybe it's different in Europe. Europeans. Chime in. <laughs> and certainly like even some of the blonde-ish people I've been with, it's never been like bright blonde. <laughs> like it's like she had like Farrah Fawcett yeah. like blonde hair. She wasn't toning that either. So it's like. When you bleach something, it turns kind of orangey, you know, like like baby chick yellow. Yeah, like, yeah. That's kind of what was going on with her hair. But once again, and I had the same problem with Kim Novak, her eyebrows gave it away. <laughs> like, Well, when she finally like meets up with the head of the Gestapo guy and like seduces him at that party, he like notices immediately. He's like, your hair is dark black. <laughs> well, yeah, because like she's about to go down on him and she he can then see the top of her head all the roots and yeah the roots are showing she looks like fucking debbie harry (laughs) and like she tries to like pass like say like oh well blonde is all the rage but that that of course like handcuffs you that you're dyeing your hair so then when she takes off her panties and he's like oh a perfectionist i see yeah yeah and it's like okay jig's kind of up now (laughs) but surprise surprise the head of the gestapo doesn't care that she's jewish he doesn't give a shit so that's sort of telling. There's there's one scene, actually, I forgot to mention, on their way to meet, uh, I think his name was Schmall, the, the lawyer guy that okay. ends up having the book. Uh-huh. And she's on the back of the bike as her boyfriend's driving it. Okay. And those soldiers whistle at her. Oh. And after they whistle, she, like, pulls up her skirt and flashes her legs. Okay. And I'm like, so even in times of, like, great trouble, you still like sexual attention. <laughs> Like, you're literally arranging an escape for your life, and you're like, I'll give the boys a little something. That's a Paul Verhoeven woman if I've ever heard of one. <laughs> kind of. And I was like, this is, yeah, this is a Paul Verhoeven heroine here. <laughs> of her heroine. Yeah. Um, I wanted to point out, just while we're going back to Paul Verhoeven, that scene where she's t- uh, dying her pubes, there's uh, the doctor guy comes and, like, tries to, like, hits on her a little bit. Yeah. And finally, when she gives in, he does the, like, patented Paul Verhoeven clothes rip off and it's like soft soft and then they're off it's in every movie yeah and of course that scene where Rachel goes to the club and dances is (laughs) classic Paul Verhoeven dancing the dancing in this movie have you never seen somebody waltz I'm gonna call it the Paul Verhoeven nanny dance (laughs) He's got a signature. She throws up, too. That's another one. Yeah, she pukes. Yeah. And she's not pregnant. Not Jessica pregnant. Baxter. I thought of Jessica Baxter, too. <laughs> she pukes because she's, like, genuinely upset. Yeah. And, boy, she's got game face, though. Like, she, she voms, and then she's back at it, like, going out to sing another song. Oh, boy. I had a thought while watching this movie where I'm like, if you're a spy, because she goes undercover a lot, isn't, like, spycraft just kind of maybe another form of like psychopathy because if you're lying and like really good at not showing your emotion yeah like that's like what a psychopath does so yeah probably a little like maybe like the psychopath doesn't actually have the emotions and like the spy is pushing those emotions down i'm sure if either of us had to watch that show the americans i'm i'm sure they fleshed this out in oh, okay there. okay 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 but yeah I, there's got to be some level of humanity suppression in being a spy Oof. and so yeah it's a it's a certain set of skills i think 
Yeah, it makes me just think that like, oh, I get it. Like, if you can still fuck while doing it, why uh, not? <laughs> that probably helps get some of that like energy out. I mentioned this during Vertigo, but I I, I said that Vertigo was probably the one that inspired all Paul Verhoeven's non science fiction movies okay the movie itself doesn't have a lot of vertigo for me but the score is super vertigo-y yeah and it's a little oppressive oh do you think i feel like the score is just non-stop in this movie like yeah kind of like in vertigo yeah they could have backed it off a little bit but just like it has that sort of partially minimalist but also high romance feel very romantic yeah. and yeah it 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 was like in my mind i'm trying to vertigo vertigo like I'm trying to replace Vertigo with this movie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we could get uh, Guy Madden to do a version of this movie. Uh, only of with all mo- movies so- filmed in the, the Netherlands. Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. Free idea. So Rachel has to do all sorts of spy stuff. Uh, she and puts she's a microphone inside a painting. painting, and she she's asked like you know how far are you willing to go. And she's like, I'm willing to go as far as he's willing to go. And she really doesn't equivocate on it much. She's like, yeah, if I have to have have sex in this role, that's fine. Which, like, led me to question. I'm like, what are her feelings for him? Which comes out later. I think she actually kind of liked him. Yeah, I think she does, too. She falls in love with the Nazi. And the Nazi kind of falls in love with her. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. It's the end of the war. (laughs) Yeah, it's 1944. So the war is almost over. They keep talking about how, like, oh, this is no big deal. The the Tommies are coming. Like, we'll be fine. Yeah, who are the Tommies? Is that the Americans? I don't know, because they get liberated by Canadians, so maybe Canadians? Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. But, um, yeah, it's, it's always strange because it's like, I mean, the Russians are really the ones that took down the, the European theater. So it's like, they certainly weren't the Tommies. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I like the setting of this movie a lot. I'll say that. Like, it is kind of cool to see a place that's, like, still... Like, the war is basically... Everyone kind of knows it's ending and that the Germans have lost, but to still be in a place that is under German control. And then to actually see that it end. Like, we see the end of it and, like, the liberation that happens, but have there still be, like, conflict bubbling up? Like, yeah. That worked for me. Well, because, like, Munz, the, the officer that uh, Rachel seduces... I don't know if it's actually this way or, or if I just read it this way, but it's like he kind of knows that things are, are heading south for the Germans. And in a way, it kind of seems like he's hedging his bets a little bit that he's like, well, if I get in good with someone in the underground, then maybe I'll be spared mm. when all this is over. But if I play my cards right and Germany turns it around, then the worst thing I did was have sex with a sexy Jewish lady. Yeah. And not kill some people right away. Yeah. 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 So I, I kind of read it as he was just kind of hedging his bets, trying to, you Play know, both ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other guy, the one that the, the redheads banging, mm-hmm. he's just like a full on psychopath. He was the one who arranged the killing on the boat that killed Rachel's family. Yeah. He has no problems killing and robbing people, which yeah. even, in Germany was, or not Germany, but during World War II was illegal. You weren't supposed to do that, I guess, uh, because they they try and catch them. They have them open up the safe because they're right certain that it's going to be filled with all these like jewels and, and dollars. Yeah, and, and it ain't. Mm-hmm. So he somehow found out ahead of time. 
Yeah, how would that work? It must have been because the lawyer, or not, yeah, the lawyer was listening in at some point and overheard the plan. Well, the doctor dude, Amken, or whatever his name was, <laughs> he was actually the one that was working with the Nazis. Right, but so was the, the lawyer. lawyer yeah. yeah, he was too. So I, I thought it was Amken that may have clued in. Oh, uh, that's possible. Yeah, sure. The psychopath, I think his name was like Franken or something. <laughs> You're just making up names. <laughs> I think I'm getting the first letter right. <laughs> and then I'm just filling in the rest with whatever comes to me. I will say, this movie's almost like comically plot twisty. It <laughs> is so twisty. It's like it's like Miller's Crossing all over again. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Which is why it surprised me that th- this was the most expensive Dutch movie at the time. Mm-hmm. And that it was the highest grossing Dutch movie that year. And like for all time, like this is their avatar. (laughs) It won several of their Academy Awards. Yeah. Yeah. They have like what, Golden Lions or something? Golden Calves, I want to say. That seems really irreligious. But they're over there, they don't care. I guess. They're all about moral relativism because that's what this movie's all about. So Yeah, a little bit. That's a good way to put it. I think that they illustrate that part of this movie really well when that when they catch the guy who initially was going to bring the jewish families over they find out that he was setting them up yes uh so they're like let's get him and when they do there's this like christian guy who's working for the resistance and he's the one who ends up shooting the guy yeah and then he gets really upset he's like i've killed a person i've killed a person I'm going yeah he hell. kills him because he swore yeah you fruit He's like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And everyone's like, he's a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> and he killed several people. It's okay. We're at war. Like, And Paul Verhoeven's deeply religious himself. Yeah. Like, he puts, like, Jesus iconography into almost all of his movies. And even RoboCop is supposed to be a story of Jesus. That's why, like, there's a scene where he has RoboCop walking through a puddle to, like, look like it's walking on water. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. And he's got, like, a PhD in, like, theoretical physics or something. Wild. He's an interesting guy. Yeah. But yeah, that that's what really struck at home for me, that that's what this movie is about. Because like, people are constantly having to make these decisions that are like immoral. Yes, if we have like an absolute idea of good and bad, but like at war and under, under certain circumstances, it's like, yeah, it's totally okay to kill somebody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it just kind of likes wallowing in that gray zone. But it was like, by killing him, they were going to be like giving away something like uh, uh or or giving up a little cover or they were going to kill a bunch of hostages if yeah they did and, that. and what yeah. happened is like they killed 40 hostages but uh because even like one of the resistance people was like but you at least you have your jews and yeah so it was like they had to like trade 40 lives for like another one in order to like kill him yeah well and also these people that are in the resistance trying to end this war are still like kind of prejudiced against Jewish people. Yeah, because later on, it's revealed that Frank and Frung um, <laughs> knew about the microphone. Right. And they start, they cover her mouth and start saying things to, to sort of frame her. Right. The, Into the resistance. Yeah, because they know the resistance is listening on this feed, so they start saying things like, Oh, you know, your plan you, worked perfectly. We'll we'll make sure to give you all the money that you've earned for this and stuff like that. And all the resistance people are like, typical Jew, yeah. like sold us out for a quick buck. And so now it's like, 
and they're covering her mouth and she's trying to scream and the resistance hears it as laughing or she's crying like (laughs) yeah and and the resistance think that she's laughing so now it's like her bridge is burned with the resistance and the nazis of course already hate her i mean her being a jewish woman is the least of the reasons they hate her right now yeah but the, the she's successfully like infiltrated some of the highest ranking officers doesn't using help her, her position. feminine wild yeah using her sexuality <laughs> this is i think about the time that like the war actually ends right but she still goes to prison yeah this is when she goes to prison right <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> because a- she like yeah, they must put her in prison because of that. They, like they, 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 they don't. There's no trial or anything like that. But I guess they put her away for treason. I guess essentially. Okay. By cavorting with the Nazis. Right. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Was she put in jail by the Nazis? I thought she was put in jail by the Nazis. Was it by the Nazis? Right. Well, I thought it was because. Uh, Maybe it is they, by the Nazis. Maybe it's just they she, throw her in jail after she this. Thwart, she helped thwart that attempt to free the dutch uh, hostages and then after those people all get killed and that fails then she gets put in jail by hofmerschnachnik okay and then she gets liberated by her slut friend that friend's no bigger <laughs> slut than she is <laughs> I, I mean yeah they're just they're both sluts it's fine i love sluts <laughs> um Somehow she ends up in jail. Somehow she's back in jail. Details are fuzzy. <laughs> oh, wait, you're talking about the shit jail. Yeah. Okay, yeah, she ends up in some shit jail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which has got to be one of the most memorable scenes in the movie. They're, like, all in these, like, crap hole cells. And they're like, all right, everyone out. Grab your shit buckets and let's go. And then they have to pour these buckets into, like, a big vat. Uh-huh. And they decide that, like, they're going to humiliate her. But I thought this was the Dutch resistance that was going to humiliate You're her. You're right. It must have been. Yeah. It was because this was after the war is over. Yeah. And because there's the people that are coming to watch are like. The Nazis Dutch tried to people. send her to Poland and that she escaped from that. But then the Dutch resistance picked her up. Yeah. Right. And, and so the, the, the Dutch put her in jail, not the Nazis. Right. And so they. Or the Canadians? <laughs> Whatever. I don't want to. Tommies? <laughs> so they put her in jail. Everyone's emptying out their shit buckets into the shit vat. And they put her under it and strip her. Well, no, this crowd comes in and they're like, we want to like humiliate these Dutch Nazi sympathizers. And so like we want to, you know, take off all your clothes. And she yeah. refuses. She's like, no, because I wasn't part of that. Uh huh. And fuck you. And then they like call her out on it. And then she gets beat a lot. Yeah. Before she gets the shit poured on her. Yeah, this movie has more poop in it than you'd really think. <laughs> more than I think any movie I've ever seen, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, when you go in, like. This movie has more shit than the Greasy Strangler. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> When you think of most World War II movies, poop isn't one of those things that you <laughs> expect to see. So Much less a huge vat of it. Yeah, being poured on someone. Yeah, that was a greasy scene. Like <laughs> That looked real unappetizing. Pretty nasty. Pretty nasty. And then, yeah, they kind of hose her off a little bit, and uh, 
But then, then the Tommies come in and they're like, you all should be ashamed of yourselves. Yeah, yeah. This is an outrage. A disgrace to civilized society. You're as bad as the Nazis. And this isn't even like the climax of the movie. This is like the beginning of Act 3. Yeah. Still got a half hour to go. Uh, yeah. This and was a two and a half hour movie, I just want to say. Was it that long? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know. It's a breezy two and a half. But... World War II movie. There's a lot of ground to cover here. Yeah, take their time. After this is where my details get a little fuzzy. Well, but okay, so yeah, she got arrested because she goes to confront the lawyer who sent her off in the beginning. Yes. Because she finds out that he was also working for... Uh, he was also trying to have it both ways a little bit. Yeah. Like, but he, I mean, he was helping he was, people. He was helping Jewish people. And but it, knowing it, that they were going to be sent to their deaths... Well, that's one thing I, I wasn't quite sure because he took these copious notes of, like, whose money belonged to who. And it's like you wouldn't do that if you just thought the money would disappear into the hands of the Nazis. Oh. Like, there was a reason that he did that. That This was, like, another, like, trying to play it both ways that he's going to help these people, but he's also going to document how they were helped. Okay. And should the tides turn against the Nazis, he's got, like, documents that would be very helpful and and beneficial that he could use for trade his little black book the titular the titular black book book. but she gets a hold of it because when she goes to confront him he dies he gets his brains shot out (laughs) but she keeps the book because he he says something like this is gonna exonerate me or something like that yeah yeah he's like every every criminal needs a trial or something like that yeah so it's like he can use that as leverage to take any penalty away from him right. or, you know, even if he gets in trouble from the Dutch resistance, the fact that he has this will will be a good bartering tool to keep him safe from harm. Right. Or any sort of a, a, a restitution or anything like that. But he dies and somehow she gets released into the custody of the doctor. Yeah, um, can Yeah. In the in the bush bleaching scene, we're introduced that that uh, he had like ordered some insulin right from England, right, and most of the the bottles came broken, and uh, that's when she talks about it's it's a good sort of like uh, um, Kaufman's chimpanzee, right? Yeah, definitely comes back because she talks about oh, I had a friend who who had to take insulin, but if she ever took too much, she'd just have to like eat a whole bar of chocolate and we see a lot of chocolate come in mm-hmm. the movie it's, it's like its own Kaufman's chimpanzee <laughs> yeah, it is and so she starts panicking when she realizes like what Omkin is and he tries to basically put her into a coma by injecting her with too much insulin right I thought she was just hysterical because he's the one that told her that her Nazi boyfriend was killed Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's when she loses it, and she's just like, will it never end? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, he injects her with too much insulin, which would put her into a coma, and he goes to do his whole, like, Mussolini thing and, like, goes out onto a balcony to, like, greet the crowds. Right, who are like, he's a hero. We love our doctor, and... She jumps off the balcony. Well, because she finds a bar of chocolate and downs it real quick, and that helps, like, balance out the insulin. Blood sugar, yeah. So she's, like, still a little woozy. But then, yeah, she jumps out the balcony, and the crowd catches her, which I'm like, whew. That's a wager I wouldn't be willing to make, I don't think. It's a risk, yeah. Well, she was going to die. 
Yeah, I mean, she had to get out somehow, but that's, yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And then she has to, like, run barefoot through the streets of the Netherlands. The Hague. The Hague. Why did they name the city The Hague? I don't know. It's The Vatican. Maybe it's a city-state or something. I just always wondered that because it confused me. You thought The Hague was... A building. Oh. But it's actually... That's the name of the city. They should drop the the, make it cleaner. I know. Are you a the Hagian then? If you if you grew up there, uh, I doubt people put it in those terms. But yeah, why not? Okay. Anyway, um, right. I don't know. She so she escapes at this point, but I don't know where she goes when she escapes. How did she get in on the on the part with the doctor dying? Because he he tries to escape. <laughs> Wait, is he the one that's in the coffin? Yeah. So, yeah. He tries to escape with all the money and jewels. Yeah. But somehow they... Well, because he, he... She's the only one that knows that he's working against the Dutch resistance. Right. And so they're probably arranging his escape the way that they arranged her escape at the beginning. Okay. And so they put her... Or they put him in a coffin with little ventilation. But then they do a little turnaround and she screws the, the vent shut so right. that he just suffocates in there. Right. And yeah, she must have just escaped to, uh, she must have gotten out of the doctor's office, gone to the Dutch resistance and explained what happened. And they all played ignorant. Right. That, that, and right. Cause she finds the dad who was the head of the like restaurant that she worked at. Yeah. And then, Cause they're looking at all those mass graves which I thought was an interesting thing to bring up because it really like kind of undercuts a lot of the moral relativism of the movie in, in a good way. Cause I was like, we, we get the, in the beginning when the Nazis are gunning down the Jewish people on the boat, you're like, Oh, Nazis are bad. Yeah. And then it like sort of gets like fuzzy in the middle. And then at the end, when you see this mass grave site, you're like, Oh no way. Yeah. Nazis are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're worse than like the one person that like gets killed here and there. You yeah, know, like because like the Nazi that she falls in love with isn't a monster. It is almost like oh well, there's good people on both sides, sort of thing. Uh, but then it you start it does land back on like the Nazis were bad. Yeah, actually, if they have these mass graves of unmarked, you know, dead mm-hmm. Jewish people, like mm, mm-hmm. that's worse. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna put that in the bad category. Yeah, I'm gonna put that in the worse than like killing one person here or there. Yeah. But yeah, so she talks to the dad about it and shows him the black book and like explains how like the brother got the appendectomy from that doctor who then like told the lawyer about this rich family, rich Jewish family is looking to escape. And so like he like manufactured the whole thing. And so they that's when they like go back and find him to kill him. Yeah, which they do. Yeah. And that's pretty much when it goes back to uh, Israel. Yeah. Like, she throws a rock in there. And uh, what was the line she has just before that? It's like, I don't remember what it is, but uh, she <laughs> we'll does say at one it. point, like, I never thought that I dread Liberation Day, but that's not, oh. that's not what that is. But, well, yeah, because, like, the end scene is, like, her walking off with her now husband, like, whoever that is. I don't think we knew him previously. Mm-mm, yeah. Uh, and she's got a couple of cheering with her. Mm-hmm. But you can also, like, hear bombing. Well, they walk into, a, like, a kibbutz. Yeah. She lives in a kibbutz in Jerusalem, I'm assuming. And yeah, there's Somewhere a sign. In Israel. Yeah, yeah, there's a sign that says like this is made in part by the, the the restitution of war efforts or whatever. Yeah. 
Uh, but you can hear, like, bombing going off still. And, and you see people, like, rushing to, like, fight off something or something. And I think that, like... I think the implication that it's, like, Palestine or something. And it's, like, yes, yeah. they're liberated and they're liberated into this. Yeah. And, like, Jewish people are always going to have it hard or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't cut a break. <sighs> so that's the synopsis. <laughs> Like, watching it this time, I was like, this is twisty and turny. Like, I knew that it was a twisty, turny movie, but the number of twists and turns. Yeah, Miller's Crossing, I think, is the next twistiest movie Oof. we've watched, the, the, like, in this vein. And, yeah, I was like, oh, God. And, like, keeping track of who's aligned with who uh, in, from scene to scene is is fun, but it's also, like, hard to explain. I think it's a good theater movie. Because, like, at home, like, oh, someone texted me, and I'm looking at that. And it's like... In the short time that it takes me to like respond to someone's text, allegiances have shifted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where if it was in a theater, it would just be me, screen, no distractions. Right, right, right. So it definitely sort of, it has that level of like, it doesn't hold your hand and you need to pay attention to it. And it's not like you can just listen to the dialogue. Cause it's like, there's like so many different languages in this. Yeah. It's like, it starts out in Hebrew and then there's German and then there's Dutch and there's even some English thrown English, in there. Yeah. So there's just a lot of different languages being thrown about. What is it with me with these multilingual foreign flicks? I don't know. Recently? Yeah, I was. I actually was getting a lot of uh, Handmaiden vibes too, and just that it's like this sweeping period drama. Mm-hmm. You got to type. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like this movie. Yeah, I like. But it, it I does like ask a lot. Like, it asks a lot. And it also asks, I mean, like, you really, you have to be a Verhoeven fan. Like, don't go in being like, ooh, a World War II period drama. This, I think this is not a reflection of reality. <laughs> I don't know. It, you don't it, think there was sexual espionage going on? It didn't strike me as super real. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess it's plausible. It says that it was based on true events. I know, but so did... Um, Fargo? Yeah. So, I don't know. There's lots to like here, though, and especially, like, if you're a Verhoeven fan, because it's, like, it's not... He doesn't pin it down, like, it's this way or that way, because he loves, like, ambiguity. It also just doesn't look like your normal period drama, like, with its abundance of boobies and bush. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, ju- it kind of just looks a little different. Like, his choice of camera angles, I feel, is is refreshing. Like, you're not going to see Spielberg do a, a an up-the-skirt shot on, yeah. a, on a cadaver. Yeah. It has a different feel to it than a normal World War II movie. And it's almost funny, like, the amount of plot twists that keep <laughs> happening. Like, I was laughing a couple times. We're like, oh, Rachel cannot catch a break. <laughs> this whole movie. Things are really aligned against <laughs> her in this movie. Boy. And then it ends with that, you know, like, shot of the kibbutz. And you're just yeah. like, boy, poor girl. I mean, she's... She- literally gets showered and shit yeah when she says like the line you know will this never end i laughed a little bit oh yeah it's like it's sad because she's like i can't take anymore but it's like oh i feel you honey (laughs) (laughs) i've been here with you the whole movie and whoo you're just really going through a lot yeah (laughs) i think the first time i must have just not paid close attention and was just kind of there for the ride Mm -hmm. but watching for the podcast i'm like okay i gotta remember this person is this person and this person is this person and their relationship is this i'm like there's a lot of characters and there's a lot of double crossing and there's a lot of like tacit relationships that turn out to not be what we see on screen it's like oh my god this was dizzying i have a question was her slutty redhead friend also a spy or was she just like i'm going to fuck whatever side is winning that one 
Oh, you think? Yeah. Mm, okay. Because, yeah, because she ended up marrying a Canadian. Right. At the end, she was just like, you're our liberators, I guess. How did she explain what she did during the occupation? Maybe maybe she had a really understanding boyfriend. She was just like, I had to fuck this guy to be safe. I mean, I'm not going to judge her. Like, I mean, do what you got to do. They did, cause and it showed the judgment of Dutch people in that time. They're like, Nazi whores. Yeah. And like shaving their heads and stuff. And it's like, okay, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's dial it back a little bit, you know. But this also has the uh, Paul Verhoeven trademark of unisex bathrooms. That's right. Because uh, it's like uh, Rachel walks in on the redheaded chick peeing. She's like, I don't know, I'm almost done. Come on in. <laughs> and then like her boyfriend or, or you know bang buddy comes in and he just starts peeing while talking to them as well. And I was yeah. like, Paul Verhoeven loves unisex bathrooms. That scene, I was just like, he. I don't think he understands how women bond. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe women like pee in front of each other all the time. Oh, yeah. It. I mean, that's also like... <laughs> A classic Verhoeven thing, but it's like kind of like in Basic Instinct when it's like a very sexual woman, of course, has a lesbian partner that she does coke with. Yeah. Like, yeah, Paul Verhoeven might not fully grasp female psychology (laughs) super well. (laughs) He certainly has an idea of it, though, and he's just running with it. Or like in Showgirls, how like. They're either talking about their nails or their boobs, right? Like one or the other during the whole movie. Yeah, and they bond over the weirdest things. Doggy Chow. Doggy Chow. Yeah. And in this case, they they're bonding over banging German SS soldiers to survive. Yeah. You do what you gotta do. Do what you gotta do. They're like that scene where where they're like transcribing stuff, and the redhead's like, "Ugh, boring, right?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're talking oh, yeah, about executing somebody because that she's like reading the like obituary of like someone she knew yeah and is like like having like a breakdown yeah she's just like so boring (laughs) and like she sees her friend being like dragged off to one of the cells to be tortured while she's she's, like on the printing press yeah keeps her cool though yeah yeah she's a good spy yeah good singer too yeah she was pretty good Oh, I noticed that uh, the song, uh, for the subtitles, they made it rhyme in English as well. Yeah. And I, I kind of don't like that. I want to know what she was actually saying, not oh. some English equivalent you're more a letter of the law than a spirit of the law (laughs) sure sure (laughs) also watching it this time that's a phrase i use a lot i gotta figure out something new to say she's definitely a classic uh uh for heroin yeah and like she gladly uses her sexuality to get out and in of problems (laughs) like she didn't necessarily like have to have sex with anyone it's just she just kind of liked that part of it it felt well she asked when he's like asking her how far do you want to go and she's like oh you're asking me if i'm gonna fuck him and he's like well let's not be crude and she's like well i want to know what i'm getting into yeah i need to know if i need to clean Am up I gonna down get there. that d <laughs> if this was a man a gay man you know I'd be like i need to know if i need to hose out yeah exactly like, operation honeypot yeah she's got to get prepared yeah i like that i mean yeah and like that scene on the train is the perfect example where it's like 
she gets stuck in the, oh, yeah. the cab with him when he's talking about stamps. And so what she does is she just sits next to him and is like, mm, tell me about your stamp collection. Yeah. And it's like she, there was an option that it was like pull the emergency brake and she could make a run for it while the dude shot as many of the Nazis as he could. Yeah. But she's like, mm, I'm going to go with plan B. <laughs> I'm going to hope that my seduction works on this guy. Mm-hmm. That's a classic Paul Verhoeven move to just have a lady who who maybe doesn't even realize how much she likes using her sexuality to solve problems yeah or to in this case bring down a wing of the ss she does a pretty good job yeah for parts of it not the whole thing <laughs> but she didn't know there were people working against her who she thought were her friends yeah it's complicated it is very complicated it's a whole thing <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Felt good to be in capable hands again. <laughs> well, are you ready to talk about what's going to happen next week? Yes! Well, I feel like I need to get back into your good graces. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to throw something I already know is going to be a winner. And I've threatened you with this many times in the past. But I'm just going to, let's just do it now. I think we should do Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We got to do the the uh, the director's cut. Oh, though. we're gonna do both. Let's talk about both endings. <sighs> okay. Well, I mean, watching the theatrical ending is only like two or three minutes or something. Right. So, well, and the other one's only like ten. So, yeah, we'll talk about both. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, love it. I did a little like sneak previewing today to make sure this is a movie I wanted to do, and I'm like, yeah, oh this yeah, is what I'm in the mood for. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, it'll be a good one just because it's like there's we can talk about the songs themselves because there's some notable people mm. behind those songs. No, I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to spoil anything. But we can talk about the technical aspects of the movie, and then it's also just a star-studded cast. Mm, the stars. Yeah, you're back in my good graces already. Ah, see, I knew. See. And when was the last time we did a musical? I know that's the thing. I've been wanting to do a musical for a while. So. It, was it Xanadu? <laughs> Was that our last musical? No, that can't be. Safe. <laughs> no. I'm allergic to everything. <laughs> Including my husband and stepson. <laughs> Living in this cult has saved me. <laughs> or has it killed me? You remember that song? Uh, yeah, it was an odd choice to only have one song in a musical. <laughs> uh, I feel like looking this up now. Uh, you don't. Ha- we can we can start plugging junk and getting the fuck out of here. Our audience doesn't need to wait for this. Okay. Follow us on Twitter at X Rated Movies. Follow us on Facebook at Rated X Movies. Give us an email x.rated.movies at gmail.com and go to our website xratedmovies.com where you can find a link to our Patreon page. To sell it, Ryan. Give us give us all that money. I've recently doctored her up. She's real pretty now. Uh, and uh, there's a couple tiers available still. If you want to jump in, you can still join in on the old tiers too, which are just as good, just as beautiful, and really helps make the production of this thing move forward because without your contributions, I might not be motivated to do it. <laughs> um, and if you can't afford to help us on Patreon, 
you can help support us freely by going to Apple Podcasts or whatever you're listening on and giving us a five-star review with some kind words. And if you can't think of any kind words, Jimmy Stewart Blumpkin, Gloopy Gloop and the Gloopenheim. <laughs> Those are all acceptable. Until next week, we do a little shop of horrors. Keep reaching for the rainbow. Bye. Bye.